Hey, I'm Pastor Dave Ferguson. Welcome to Crosswalk Chattanooga's Weekend Teaching Podcast. We're glad you're with us. Well, good morning, Crosswalk. How are you doing? Good. That is good to hear. It is good to be here and worship together. For those of us that are family and you're here all the time, I'm learning more and more of your names. And so that's a good thing, but it just does mean, Abby, that you could be spoken to directly from here, right? And some of you, this could even be your first time here. If I don't know you, maybe, maybe I just haven't met you yet, I'd love to learn your name. I'd love to know who you are. We are in the midst of a series, Elemental, and uh, we are just finishing up what we're calling Season 1 of Elemental. This is all about questions, how we process the things we've become certain about, and every once in a while something happens, and so you kind of have to take things apart to figure out what's going on inside, and that's a perfectly appropriate and even deeply healthy process. Some of us uh, are the kinds of people who, if there's something going wrong, you have something in your house that something's going wrong with, and so you just take it apart, and then you try to put it back together, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't quite go. There are extra parts, or maybe there are missing parts. Who knows? Others of us, we, we get into those situations with an awful lot of fear and hesitation because we're not so anxious to try to take something apart like that. And we've been doing a little bit of that. Now, here's one more little piece as we talk about the things that are at the base, at the core, important to us. Um, we've, it's been a little bit messy so far in our deconstruction process And if that feels a little uncomfortable, we're going to revisit and have season two of this series, Elemental, coming up this next, are we we still figuring out how to move? Okay, we've got some questionable things going on. I see Trevor roaming the room, and I know his name, so I'm just going to use it. But anyway, as we continue on, in August, in August, we are going to hit season two of Elemental as we build back from having taken some things apart. I'd like to start with a supposition, and it's this. It's not going to be like heretical or anything, but faith, faith is elemental. At its base, at the core, down deep, underneath it all, faith is elemental. It's the second part of this statement that might feel a little bit more uh, uncomfortable, and that is this. While faith is elemental, certainty is not. It's a little tricky, for a faith community that uses phrases like we have the truth to say faith is elemental. Faith is at the core, but certainty isn't at the core. I'm reminded of this little story. Jesus is with a crowd of people and the disciples come to him and ask him, Okay, so who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? And changing probably this young person's life because now they've got a story to tell, right? Jesus calls this little one up and says, why don't you stand here with me because I want you to be the visual representation of what I'm about to say. And he says this, I promise you this, this thing, bank it, take this with you, this is the truth. If you don't change and become like a child, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. We use that phrase with some regularity. Had had an amen over here. Uh, but what does it mean to be more like a child? I love children. I've got to admit it. They're some of my favorite people. I feel like they get me in ways that sometimes adults, I'm not sure. 
And uh, so I love hanging out with children. I have some favorite things. What it means to be like a child to me, for instance, I love the imagination and creativity of children. Data suggests any normally functioning little child will today sing and dance and probably draw. And they might do all three of those things at the exact same time. For those of you that seem, feel like you can assess that you're about my age, when was the last day you did any of those, let alone at the same time? And by the way, what you just did from our chairs, that doesn't count as singing boldly so the world can hear you. Sing, dance, yeah, creative, creative, not just creative, Silly. Ah, this is a massively value-added characteristic of children. The welcoming of silliness. In my family, as I uh, had children, we were kind of growing up together. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was actually a bold statement of both confidence and, well, they were bragging when they would say to a friend or a passerby, really, Daddy's goofy. That's a good thing. A wonderful thing with children, not to take the world and life quite so seriously always. Do you know what? You are probably never, ever, Daniel, you're never going to be as trusted, as accepted on this planet, likely, than by your own child. Children accept. Children accept people you and I would not. I was getting onto a subway when I was a bit younger and um, sat down as a woman with a grocery bag and a little one in the other arm got onto the same subway, sat down a little ahead of me, facing the other direction, but the child's face is just back here just looking around. And one more stop and a guy gets on and sits in the seat behind this young mother and child. And I, I don't know for sure, but all the data suggested this man was living on the streets. His hair was disheveled, his skin had been in the sun a lot, and he was missing teeth, and you know, it's kind of the thing, he, was, he had belongings that you wouldn't just normally carry around with you, and he sits down in the seat behind this mother and little child, little child is facing back, and begins to smile at this man, and he does the thing I think every human should do in that circumstance. And I could tell he's trying to make sure that he's not kind of creating too much of a scene, but the little child starts to giggle and laugh, and that child gave all of the responses that say, this is the best thing in the world. Acceptance. You know something else? It's fascinating that a child can be fully accepting of you, fully trust you, But they're also filled with curiosity that somehow, sometimes, it comes out in ways that don't always feel like trust. Questions, right? Why, 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 why? And with a child, for some reason, any answer you give seems to just multiply the the questions. Some of you aren't aware because you're not parents, you haven't been paying attention to little children, But there are a lot of questions that come out of the mouths of our children. In fact, 
uh, I'll just go sprinting through a handful of questions children ask, like, why do people die? Well, you know, right now is not the time we're going to answer that question. Where did I come from? Maybe more uncomfortable. How was I made? Well, yeah, same session, in, really. So what does it mean we can't afford it? Why do I have to go to school? When you die, who will I live with? Why is the sky blue? And why can't I stay up as late as you do? Mm-hmm. Because I said so. Why is water wet? And why, what are shadows made of? And on and on and on. And every answer outside of the one, the trump card answer, which is because I said so. Trust me, just because I said so. Usually multiplies and adds more questions. Children, on average, any given day, today no different, ask approximately 73 questions a day. And some of you parents are going, yeah, that feels low. (laughs) Maybe because you've had a four-year-old little girl. Four-year-old little girls ask Approximately 390 questions a day. That's two for every minute that they're awake, I believe, or vice versa. So that by the time a child goes from two to five years of age, during that little span of time, 40,000 questions are asked by a child. Do you know how many questions an adult asks a day? Somewhere between six and 20 Because we start to figure out we should act like we know it. I'll be embarrassed by asking a question. No child is embarrassed by asking a question. At least not normally. And Jesus says, know what would be good for you? And first of all is that you change. What should you change? You should change to be more like this child. And maybe that includes that somewhere down deep we shift off of certainty and into faith. It's possible you have felt this sense of doubt before, but you, you knew you shouldn't bring it up. You felt you can't ask the question. It's just not safe to do because we're certain here. At least we need to act that way. One of the things that I have received over time is feedback that helps me understand that I come across very certain. Even if you ask me a question about something I've never even thought about, I will probably break down four reasons in a prioritized list of why I think this. I don't know what it is that made that happen in me, but you just need to understand, I now feel like I have more questions, not fewer questions. And it's possible that somebody like me, a spiritual leader, stands in a place like here and shares very certainly the answer to some specific question as if to say, see, we're done. You know. It's like starting at the point of a triangle facing out and the further out you get, the further away you seem to feel from certainties and the more there is out there to even understand we sometimes treat doubt as if it is the enemy of faith I want to suggest to you possibly doubt is one of the best friends of faith 
Now we'll use Hebrews and we'll say faith is being certain. Being certain of what you hope for and aren't sure. You cannot see it. You cannot grab it. You cannot touch it. Doubt and certainty are not the issue. Faith is elemental. Certainty is about what? Faith. Faith is about who? I want to suggest that seeking to be certain is actually not an act of faith. That is, doesn't mean that seeking to be certain about something is wrong or bad. It's just it isn't faith. Faith even requires a bit of unknown for it to be faith at all. To step out on what you cannot see. You think about this question, this, what, what, what more elemental possible text could there be than Proverbs 3, 5, which you probably know may have used before, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And we kind of can say that and say, well, see, what the issue is, is there is kind of the word of God and then there's my understanding, what I wish were true, and so I need to check my understanding with what God says is the right understanding. I need to adopt his understanding as my understanding. And all along, the verse stays the same. Lean not on your, even your ending up understanding see trust faith is elemental your understanding is not ha huh. could it be that for those of us in the room who have come here maybe by habit or maybe because of good friends or good coffee or good music or great chairs but we feel dissonant, like we maybe we're not supposed to be here because we have more questions than some of the other people that feel like are around us. Maybe you're in the very best place because Jesus walks up and says, hey, you need, if you want to be a part of this kingdom, you want to be in that whole greatest category, if you want to be a part of this deal, you should, you should actually entertain more questions. You should entertain questions not always with the express and complete goal that the only way we survive this is I mean, get the right answer. Maybe that's not even fully the point. I, I find John the Baptist kind of interesting in this regard. So Jesus in a particular day, in Matthew chapter 11 starts this conversation. He says, I tell you the truth, among all those who are born of women, there was not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Out of all the people born of women, it does feel an awful lot like you just could have said, out of everyone. There is every single one of them, and those of us here, all still included, that doesn't really somehow have some people, yes, other people know, everyone, out of all those born of women, there's not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. What's he talking about? It's like he's a, he's a really good dude. Man, the dude, he can golf. He is amazing. No one greater. He plays a mean game of Scrabble or whatever it is. No one can pour coffee like John the Baptist. What's he talking about? Well, he goes on. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And he 
is the Elijah who was to come. He's talking about being a prophet. He's saying, look, out of all the prophets there ever were, any of them, at least those who were born of women, John is the greatest prophet that ever was. And John, by the way, I mean, on his resume, it is pretty, pretty awesome. You think about it, Jesus comes to this earth and no one realizes God has jumped through the galaxy to this marble. Nobody's got it. Everybody is completely off. They're all wrong except one dude. One dude who's saying, hey, 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 everybody. Everybody, this guy, this It'll happen on one particular day, Jesus comes up and John the Baptist, who is, he's all about calling people to repentance. He's a little bit, I mean, it's very forward. It doesn't, he's not, he he doesn't hardly have time to, you know, kind of get your name. He's just going to say, look, there's one thing I know, one thing about you, you need to repent. That was John's one-liner opening line. People were repenting, people were being baptized. Jesus comes down to the water's edge and he realizes this is not one that this applies to. And he says, look, I can't, I can't even touch your shoes, man, let alone baptize you. He ends up baptizing him, and he will say that day and the next day, and he will point at him, and he will say, look, this guy, this guy is the lamb slain. Now, what does that even, I mean, because, you know, you can use religious language. What he is saying is, this is God. This is the one who was promised. This is the one who changes everything. This is the one who will rescue us, everything we hope for, this guy. And he's the only one who gets it. The only one. That particular day, disciples of John, people who follow John, they will actually go, okay, so you're saying him. This is everything you were, you were here to make a way toward him. Okay, oh, well, okay then, we'll go after him. And they follow him. And of course, John is paying attention. He is watching. He hears the stories of the lame man healed, of the blind that can see, of the demon possessed who are now free, of individuals who were dead, now alive. The greatest prophet. Well, again, I don't, don't know if you caught it, but he is a bit of a truth teller who likes to come up to people and tell them they're in the wrong. And as Luke would tell the story, something is going on in the political environment. This is murky waters, man. I don't know if you've, you've walked into a room and you can see the sides and you go, okay, we're staying out of these kinds of conversations. But John the Baptist, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. You see, what's happened is King Herod has gone to visit his brother in Rome, and while in Rome, he takes a fancy to his brother's wife. He decides, I think the only appropriate solution to my yearnings is I am now going to seduce her and take her home with me, kick my wife out, and this will be just awesome. And then John the Baptist, who says, I don't know if it's like one day he's down by the river and he's calling people to repent and he starts using some some stories and some situations, and he says, like King Herod, for instance, who needs to repent. Well, the story gets back, and the next thing you know, John the Baptist is thrown into a dungeon, and I don't know if you've had a circumstance, what hole you feel like you've ever been thrown into, where everything changed. You were, I mean, think about this. He's now in a dark, dank dungeon, has no freedoms. This is a guy who was 
I mean, he didn't really stay in homes. He was out in the desert. He would appear and he'd go back out. He was an outdoorsman. He made his own clothes out of like camel hair. And he would eat bugs and honey that he found. And I mean, he's not a guy who's going to be caged in well. I don't know how things have gone in your life at that moment when something has switched and all that you had thought the world was got turned upside down and now you're stuck. But there he is. Stuck. Somehow his friends, those disciples that had been following him are able to come and see him, to talk to him. And he says, look, Jesus is near enough. What I want you to do, I want you to go and ask him a question. If you don't mind going, just please just ask this question. And so here's the question that shows up. Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Do you hear what happened here? And this is the way it works. Everything's going along just fine, and then something shifts, something changes. We have a problem, a new question comes up. And things kind of explode on us, and we feel stuck, or we are in pain, or the thing that we were certain of is gone. He's basically saying, you know that thing that I was the only one who was talking about? I'm actually not so sure I was right about it. You know that the deal, it's my full identity. It's everything I am. Everything I've been doing, that thing, I'm not sure I'm right. I'm not sure what to think. In fact, the reason I'm asking you is I'm deeply suspicious I'm wrong. This question is really close to saying, does God even exist? Jesus responds, It's not all you would hope. Go back. Just watch for a little bit. Then go back and tell John what you saw and what you heard. See where Jesus is? The leper is healed and the little child with the withered arm, it, it works again. He would go through towns and every single sick person by the time he left was healed. Where he shows up, a difference is made. And not only that, Jesus' two favorite things, one is healing every brokenness and the other is telling everybody how much God loves them. Preaching good news and a world filled with bad news and much of it coming from the leaders of God's family. Part of what you hear, imagine now these disciples of John have returned to the dungeon in the few hours they're allowed to visit him, some scraps of food they've brought him, and they say, actually, we went and we asked Jesus the question, and Jesus said to come back and tell you that he's still doing the things that you, I mean, that he's, he's healing people. And under all of that, You've got to imagine what John hears Jesus say is, I'm going to stay here doing this. I'm not coming there today. 
That's the worst, man. That's challenging stuff. John knew all these things that he had done. John knew how Jesus spoke and preached. And John's implicit question is, could you rescue me today? Can you get me out of here? I, it feels a lot like you've got the power. And Jesus, in essence, is saying, I need to give you an answer that won't be fully satisfying today, but I ask you, please trust me. Have faith in me. I do have the power. I will come and get you. But it's probably going to look a little different than you were hoping or you were thinking how you had arranged it in your mind, all that you were certain of. It's not quite like that. Trust me, though. Because you being certain of how the plan is going to work is not elemental. His being trustworthy If he's trustworthy, that's elemental. And we can go through dark nights and difficult things if if we have faith. Man, that's tough. That's not all those disciples had to share because this is the moment. The Bible says that it is as these disciples are leaving him, the ones who have come and asked him this question, and they're ready to go back and say, well, we saw it all. We saw, I mean, amazing, amazing things. And this, uh, this really, quite honestly, makes this even feel a lot darker, John, to be down here in this dungeon with you, having been out in the sunshine with the healer. And so now we're here, and that... Whew. But they've got something else to say, too. It is as they are walking away that Jesus speaks up. And you can envision and hear it that he speaks extra loud so that they can hear everything. In fact, do they wonder? He's saying this just for us, to bring this back to you, John. In that moment that things don't make sense and that our questions feel unanswered, that's the moment he says, there is no one born of a woman as massive, as big, as great at telling the truth about me as John, who's in a prison. And I ask him to trust me, and I think he can. Even when the story doesn't work out exactly the way he had hoped. John demonstrates something very elemental to us. I really believe Jesus in part when he is saying, hey, check out this child. No, so you should, we should all be more like a child because a child figures out that they can trust even when they have questions. And in fact, every question you answer just yields more questions. And maybe we should celebrate questions and not always feel like such a rush to get them answered. I don't know if you've ever asked a question and somebody went on to respond and you feel like, I'm not even sure they thought about that question. And it feels a little bit like they're faking that they think they know. Hey, look, if you've got questions here today, just understand this. The rest of us around here, we do too. We're just doing our best. We're just doing our best. And amidst that journey, understand this. 
one of the most elemental things you can do when you have questions is simply take them to Jesus. That doesn't always feel satisfying. But John demonstrates something. He, he's wondering if everything he's been about is a fraud. And what does he do? He takes it to Jesus. Go to Jesus. You know what? This space, a gift of God, we believe Jesus is here. More important than me or somebody you're sitting next to being able to give you the explanation that unlocks all the spiritual world is that you come to Jesus, lay it out before him, say, I am willing to understand, but you've invited me not to lean on my own understanding, but instead to trust you. And so I'm going to keep coming, I'm going to keep trusting, even when I feel like I'm in a dark dungeon, I'm going to send my question out to you, Lord God, I will keep coming, I will keep trusting. Oh, by the way, what a privilege it is for you and for me to not only come to a Jesus who's never bothered by our questions, but to hear his invitation that we be his hands, his feet, and his listening ears, not always just his answering mouth. I wonder how many times our friends that come would be better served by my saying, you know, that's a pretty tough question. I can tell you what I think. But I also know you're not going to be saved by what I think. You're going to be saved not by what? Not by certainty. You're going to be saved by Jesus. And I get to live that out. You get to live that out. No matter how difficult the questions, no matter how dark the world I was a young counselor at summer camp in Michigan. I had a buddy. We were just sitting around talking because the camp had been, it was over. We had done all the cleaning. We were ready to go home. And we were just having this conversation. He just kind of just kind of threw it out there. He said, you know, I don't think I'm going back to church anymore. Okay. What's that about? Because I, I knew this guy's heart. He was a good guy. He cared about Jesus. So what's, what are you talking about? And he told me this story about the last time he had been at his home church. And he and three other friends, they had been sitting in a circle. It was after church. It was after a fellowship meal. And they were talking. And he was sharing some of the questions that he had. And as he was doing so, somebody walked up and put their hand on his shoulder, gave it a little bit of a squeeze. So he turned. And it was an older member of his faith community church right there. And that person, got, getting his attention, said, you know what? You need to be careful about asking those sorts of questions. Those are dangerous questions. Suggesting this is not the place to be asking that kind of question. Now, I want to say to you, I believe that the only dangerous questions are the ones we convince one another cannot be asked here. This is the place for questions. And I think that should go so much further out on our billboard than that this is the place for the answers. Let me tell you when Jesus is coming and how. Let me tell you all about prophecy and we got, you know, oil in the middle. I don't know, whatever. King Tut's tomb. I wonder how much better our world would be served if we said, look, 
I'll give you I'll give you an answer to what your question is if you want one from me because I'll come up with an answer to almost anything way 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 more important is that you would feel comfortable being here while your questions are unanswered this is the place this is the place and you are the people we are his children and he says yeah you should be more like a child not so threatened by questions fully trusting me thank you for joining us for this teaching consider hitting the subscribe button to stay tuned for next week if you'd like to support crosswalk chattanooga go to crosswalkvillage.com chattanooga and click the give button at the far right of the ribbon at the top notice the campus drop down menu and select chattanooga and if you'd like to come and worship with us on a saturday morning we would love that When you do, please say hi to me. I'd love to learn your name.